encourage you to take out your Bible, turn over to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. First week of Advent, the end of November, we talked about how God the Father uh, prepared the way. He was the, the promise fulfiller, the miracle worker, and all the things he did to bring this to pass. Then we talked the second week of Advent about the presence, the presence of Christ, that God came to be with us. Last week we talked about the presence of, of Christ and all the benefits of salvation. And we just touched on a few of the many. And today we're going to talk about, as was described in the Advent reading, the portrait of Christ. The portrait of Christ at Christmas. What did he come to reveal? What did he come to show us? And we're going to look at a few aspects of that today. But we're in John chapter 1, John chapter 1. And we're going to begin at verse 6. Verse 6. Now there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the true light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And may God add his wonderful blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come a needy people. We come a people here today who need to hear from you, need words of encouragement, need comfort, need strength. And we're so grateful that as we gather, you will provide that and even more, that your grace abounds, that your Holy Spirit that indwells us will meet our every need, that knows the deepest emotions of our heart and will be there for us. And so, Lord, help us as we uh, focus in and be reminded of who Christ is and what the special little baby was in the manger as Mary and Joseph peered at this newborn, wondering what was to come to pass. We thank you that we're on the other side of that and we can look back and know who Christ is and was. We pray and ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, J.Y. Kim in Christianity Today's 2022 Advent devotional said, human experience is the paradoxical commingling of the love of darkness and the need for light. This isn't only true for those who are non-believers in Christ, but true in our hearts and souls as well. We battle with uh, light and darkness. If we're a believer, we have the new nature within us that battles with that old nature, that sinful nature. In Romans seven fifteen, Paul said it this way, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Don't you wonder sometimes why you do the things you do? why you do the, the dumb things or the wrong things or say the words that you didn't mean to come out of your mouth. Light can both expose sin and illuminate the truth, and that is frightening and freeing at the same time. Richard Feynman, American physicist, said this, the first principle is that you must not fool yourself, and you are the easiest person to fool. <laughs> and if you think about it, that's true. We easily deceive our own selves, our own hearts. And so if that's true, we need this frightening and freeing light to expose our pride and reveal our shame. 
which has stricken human beings from the beginning at the core of their soul. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, it was out of pride. They wanted to be like God, and the result was shame and separation from God. Jesus came at Christmas to free us from the darkness of pride and shame. He exposes our sin, and he tells us the truth. The truth is that through Christ's sacrifice, we can be forgiven. We can be accepted by a holy God and loved, and the sin and the shame are all taken away. They're gone. And Christ came to make us citizens of heaven and to indwell us with the Holy Spirit, which will illumine the word of God. That means to teach us, to help us to understand it. And then light the path, that light that he talks about, to walk in his will. Let's look at this portrait of Christ that we see here in John chapter 1. First of all, in your outline, Jesus is the light of the world. And Mike and Janice talked about that when they were up here with the Advent reading. Jesus is the light of the world, the creator of the world. Look at John 1, 1 through 2. He was one of the agents that God used to bring this world into existence. It says, in the beginning... Verse 1 was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Man, that's a powerful statement. There's a lot to unpack there. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus existed in eternity past. He had no beginning. The Greek word arche here means at the beginning of the universe, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God, the Logos it's talking about. Jesus is the word before time, thus he's eternal. Therefore, Jesus is God because God is eternal. Jesus declared that in John 8.58, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Present tense, he always existed. Notice the verb here in John 1, 1, was, meaning continually, in existence, continuing in action. The writer John here didn't use the Greek word for became because became meant origin or beginning of existence. Second from verse 1, we see that the word was with God. Jesus and God the Father had a very special relationship along with the Holy Spirit. They existed in essence and in nature the same, but in unity and perfect love together, and a perfect attitude of serving one another. They knew their roles, and those roles were to glorify God the Father. Third and very important in verse 1 is that the Word was God. Now, when I was in Greek class, Dr. Borland was my teacher for Intermediate Greek, and when we began to translate, John's one of the books they usually have you translate because it's the easiest Greek, uh, the way he wrote it, Dr. Borland mentioned in verse 1 that the word here in that verse pictures two people on a log facing each other, that they're equal, they're in conversation with one another. Jesus and God are engaging in an intellectual discourse. They are face-to-face equal. Second, we see the creator of light, the creator of light. In verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the source of life, but we're focusing here on the fact that he is also the creator of light. Notice at Jesus, later on in the book of John, he said this, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
He was at the feast of dedication. He was standing out in the temple area in the courtyard, which was known as the courtyard of the women. And when he made this amazing statement earlier in John 4, he talked about the living water. And part of the feast of dedication during the daytime, they would have these water pouring ceremonies. But at night, they would have these large, huge shafts of candles and lights to shoot up into the sky. And at night, they would light those and it would shine all over Jerusalem. In fact, one uh, person who lived during that time recorded this, quote, there was not a courtyard in Jerusalem that did not reflect their light as the light was shining. And Jesus is standing there in this feast of dedication with the light being lit for the night. And he's saying, I am the light of the world. Light is symbolic of God and his truth and holiness. Darkness is symbolic of death, ignorance, sin, separation from God, falsehood. Light is like the coming salvation as the people living in darkness has seen a great light, as it says in Isaiah 9-2, talking about the first coming of Jesus. The light, as it says here in verse 5, dispels darkness. The light shines in the darkness, John 1-5, and the darkness has not overcome it. Remember that darkness is, not, is, darkness is merely the absence of light. Darkness is unable to overpower light. Light will invade the dominion of darkness, and Satan and his subjects will resist the light, but they cannot stop its power. The word will be victorious in spite of opposition. In 1 John 2.8, John, the gospel writer, also wrote this letter. He said, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Now realize Satan and his demons know the truth. They know their inevitable judgment. They know they have an expiration date. And in the Old Testament, uh, we see that Satan attempts to change history by deceiving and, and trying to divert the truth away from people. He tries to destroy the messianic line in the New Testament, Satan tried to destroy Christ by having Herod kill the infants, the, the, the boys, two years of age and younger at Bethlehem. And then also we think about there at the temptation of Christ when Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. Satan was doing everything he could to thwart God's plan. Satan seemingly won the victory at the cross when Jesus died, but it was actually his ultimate defeat when Jesus rose from the dead on Easter morning. David Brooks of the Weekly Standard reports that uh, back in uh, September 11th of 2001 when the towers fell, that in New York, the American atheist group that was founded, Madeline Murray O'Hare, was very, very upset because by the sheer force of those towers falling, it fused two steel beams into a 20-foot high cross and they kept it on the edge of the site for the length of time it took to remove the debris. The atheists wanted the crosses removed, of course, but in their passion to do that, they were actually revealing the power of the cross. If it didn't have power, why were they getting so upset? There's power in the cross, it's undeniable. And may we consider the potential of the cross, its potential to reconcile all things to Christ who made peace through the blood of the cross, in Colossians 1.20. But then in this chapter, there's an interesting twist here. Thirdly, the courier 
of the message. The courier of the message, John, the gospel writer, turns now to John the Baptist. Look at verse 6 of John 1. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Verse 8, he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Now think about this, you know, just about beginning of November, mid-November, all of a sudden you start seeing those UPS and FedEx drivers and DHL guys, and they're working many, many hours as we go to Amazon and all kinds of other places, right, to buy our Christmas gifts. And you think about that they probably are exhausted at the end of their day and they fall into bed asleep. But think about it, they are not the ones who go out and spend the hours trying to find your gift and then get it into the box and send it. They're merely the courier. They're merely the person who brings it. And when a UPS guy drives up to your house and drops off a package, you don't run out and hug the UPS guy and thank him for that gift, right? He's just a messenger. He's just the one who brings it to us. And John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, was like that UPS driver. He was just the courier, the forerunner of Christ. John the Baptist was to prepare the way. Through John the Baptist preaching, the Messiah can make straight the narrow. John the Baptist was a signpost pointing to the true Messiah. You know, when we took our kids to Disney World and we got within 50 miles and we saw the sign, Disney World, 50 miles away, we didn't get out and take pictures and get excited and hug the sign. No, it was pointing us to where we wanted to go, the ultimate location that we wanted to go and enjoy. John had the privilege of baptizing Jesus at the beginning point of his ministry, and he was a humble man who encouraged his followers to leave him and follow Jesus. Think about that. In John 3.30, John knew his role. He said, Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. You and I, we're like John the Baptist in some way. When you and I realize that we're only delivering God's packages, we develop two vital mindsets. First of all, we should develop humility. We know that all the credit goes to the giver, not to the deliverer. He didn't give it, he just delivered it, the UPS guy. So you and I, we are to, with humility, deliver the message that God has given us, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Secondly, as we think of John the Baptist, being kind of like the UPS driver, it gives us confidence. We can row into the storm that we may be facing right now. Knowing God's power will be the difference, not mine. So relax. Even in the middle of God asking you to do something that seems like mission impossible, God is getting the solution ready, and all you have to do is to be available to deliver someone else's package the message of Christ. We need to be like John the Baptist and be available to however God wants to use us to deliver the gospel message of Christ, pointing to the Redeemer, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Here's our first application and how we can apply it where the rubber meets the road tomorrow, Monday through Saturday. Our responsibility is to be torchbearers of the light of Jesus and point people to him. We're to be like John the Baptist, to be torchbearers and point people to the Savior. Second, today we see Christ portrayed as the light of truth. 
Sadly, that truth for many in that day and today was and is still being rejected by many. Jesus says the light of truth is rejected, rejected. The one who created was rejected by many. These verses are so sobering. And it just just amazes me as you think of verses 9 through 11. He says here in John 1, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world at Christmas. And Jesus was in the world. And then it's interesting, he adds this phrase, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. Man, isn't that astounding? Turning your back on the manufacturer, the creator. It says that he came to his own, the Jewish people and his own people did not receive him. George MacDonald said this, truth is truth, whether it's spoken by the lips of Jesus or Balaam's donkey. The truth is the truth. It's just a matter of what we do with that truth. Every man has a soul with a conscience and an innate desire to connect with something outside themselves that's bigger and that is their creator. Jesus revealed to us God's eternal teachings, which include the condition of man and the solution through the redemption provided by Christ. Now listen, I can't imagine. I mean, here we are with our own finite minds and our own finite bodies. And here's Jesus, the one who created the world, walking around and people are spitting at him. People want to kill him. People want to push him off a cliff. And he's the one that created it all. Can you imagine the amount of self-control that he exhibited to not call down the wrath of God upon these people? What an example. What an example for us. No people in history have had as many opportunities to hear the truth of God, to learn salvation, to know how to turn to Jesus Christ than those who live here in the United States of America. Do you realize that 450,000 churches are found in the United States? In fact, 24% of all Protestant congregations in the world are in this country. There are over 3,600 religious radio stations. As of this week, I looked it up. The vast majority are run by evangelical Christians who daily broadcast the message of Jesus Christ to people across the land. Christian TV, Christian publishing, Christian music, all communicate the Bible's message and God has given So many people around us, so many chances, but there are so many folks who still continue to reject the truth. The one who created was received by some. The sad commentary is that there's going to be more people in hell than in heaven. And we see that all through Jesus' teachings. But we see the hope here that the ones who do receive the one who created everything will have eternal life. Be part of God's forever family. Look at John 1, 12 through 13. But to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. The fantastic news is that some accepted the light of truth. The light exposed their sin, their pride, their shame. They accepted the gift of eternal life. Jesus was offering, and he still offers to this very hour during this Christmas season. And if you've received that, you are adopted into God's forever family. And listen, you're not just the children of a king. You're children of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. 
What a gift. What a privilege. We are born again by the will of God, not because of our works, not because of anything we did to deserve it, but because God chose us in eternity past and loved us. So our application is this. Will you seek and follow the truth no matter where it leads you? No matter where it leads you. That's the level of commitment that we need to have. That whatever God says in his word, that he sheds light on in our life and prompts us to do with this Holy Spirit. Are we willing to do what he tells us to do? And it's his truth in our life. Lastly, as we consider the portrait of Christ given to us in John 1, Jesus is the light that is sent from God to overcome the darkness. He's sent to overcome the darkness. Jesus was revealed as God at Bethlehem. Verse 14, which we've read many, many times and some even through this Christmas season, but it's a phenomenal verse to focus on. It says in verse 14 of John 1, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. As I've said, we've talked many times about verse 14, but just a reminder that God left the very throne room of heaven, left worshiping angels, left his direct relationship with his heavenly father to come on assignment to redeem mankind. And on that Christmas night, Jesus became the God-man when he wrapped himself up in human flesh and was willing to be born and lie in an animal's feeding trough as revealed by a subsequent life lying in that manger, was the glory of God on full display. Remember, the angel told the shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Go and find the baby in the manger. I can't imagine what Mary and Joseph thought after having been spoken to, both of them, by angels, and then seeing that little baby few minutes after birth, lying in that feeding trough and pondering in their minds what the angel said and what was going to come to pass with this little baby. To say they felt ill-equipped as parents is the understatement of all time. Those of you who have had children, moms and dads, you know what it's like to be in that delivery room when that firstborn comes, the first baby. I was 30 years old and Joshua was born, and he comes out, and the doctor hands the father the baby, says, congratulations, you have a boy. And I want to say, and where's the instruction manual that goes with this, right? They don't hand you an instruction manual. You're on your own to figure this thing out, right? It was such a joyous celebration, but an awesome reality of how serious it was to begin the process of parenting a child. And in the case of Joseph and Mary, add to that title of a son, but he's also the son of God. Man, that's awesome to think about. And so I applaud John the Baptist. He clearly knew his role, and he humbly accepted it, and he willingly embraced it. He knew his lane, and he stayed in it to be faithful to what God had called him to do. Not always easy to take the lesser role and accept that responsibility without ego stepping in the way. We see Jesus was revealed as the fullness of God in Bethlehem. 
the fullness of God. Look at verse 16 of John 1. For from his fullness, we've all received grace upon grace. Another amazing gift at this Christmas season. What he's saying there is from the revelation of Christ, the light of the world coming into the world, we all receive a super abundance of his grace. And the Greek there in the fullness means there's like an underwater spring that keeps coming and the water keeps flowing and overflows the bucket and it never ends. God's not giving his grace out of reserve. He's giving out overabundance. It never ends. And out of the overflow of God's grace, we get waves of daily grace. I like what the Bible Knowledge Commentary says, the Christian life is the constant reception of one's evidence of God's grace replacing another. As we look back at past grace, as we think about the present grace that we have here sitting in this room, it's a testimony of the future grace that will go beyond us in the next hour, in the next days, until our last days on this earth. It's an overabundance of that grace. And Lamentations 3 says, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Listen, friend, when you're standing there and you don't think you have enough for what's in front of you, if you don't have the emotional strength to deal with what you're going through, Just remember, God's abundant mercy and grace and compassion and comfort and strength is there for the asking, for the taking, for the claiming. And we need to be reminded of that. Verse 17 says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law was a demand of Old Testament people to live in perfection, to live in holiness with a way to cover their sin when they failed with a blood sacrifice. The law was given in Galatians 3. In the King James, it says he was our schoolmaster, the law was, a tutor to show us that we couldn't do this ourselves, but to point us to Jesus Christ. And Jesus came to fulfill the law unlike any other human being and give us grace instead. We have the law written in our hearts by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and that spirit gives us the power to live out God's desires. We close with verse 18. Verse 18 here of John 1. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, but Jesus has made him known. Jesus came to explain to us who the Father was and what he does. Simply put, Jesus was not only revealing the Father, but showing that he had the essence and nature of God, and then we could understand what the essence and nature of God is by his living it out for 33 years, especially the last three years of his life here on planet earth. So here's the application. Will you be a light in the culture of darkness, which is all around you by use of your words and your actions? At this Christmas season, when you interact with people, they could tell a difference by your attitude at work. They could tell a difference by the values that you hold on to and you communicate. You don't even have to be preachy about those things. Just talk about being honest. Just talk about your, your value life. Things like that. And you'll be interested to see the contrast that the dark world has. And, and they will be interested and curious about your faith. So be a light in the culture of darkness all around you. Use your words. Live them out. 
Can you imagine if you were blind today, if you're unable to see? Can you imagine if you had lost your sight and you were home and you had this whole tray of medications and you had to figure out for yourself without being able to see how much medication to take at what time and when and whether to have food with it or not and all these things. Can you imagine if you're blind, what it would be like to try to find the right button on the microwave so you could cook a meal? Or to determine if you're on the proper side of the street or not, if you're there waiting to catch a bus. Well, interestingly, there's a nonprofit app that allows sighted people to lend their eyes to those with visual impairments through a video chat. It's called Be My Eyes. It was an app developed by a visually impaired man in Denmark. It connects blind people to sighted volunteers through a video chat. The volunteer can answer questions because they can see the blind person's surrounding using that person's camera phone. An example the other day was that a Be My Eyes app user connected with a young man who wanted to know the expiration date of the milk in the refrigerator. So the visually impaired man positioned his phone's camera to the top shelf of his refrigerator. Looking at the image of the milk carton on the phone, the app user said, I wouldn't drink that if I were you. You and I, Jesus calls us to be the light of the world, to be like that app, to be the eyes of truth for those who are walking around in blindness and darkness. And by the way, we share Christ and serve Christ in front of others, help those who are spiritually blind see the truth and help them out of the darkness. We're left here as Christians to interpret and to explain to the world around us just who this Christ, this God is. So here's our key thought. The beauty of Christ and his gospel is the light and power of those two things together that cannot be overcome by the darkness. The beauty of Christ and his gospel cannot be overcome by the darkness. Never be discouraged. A single candle in the middle of darkness can be seen for quite a distance. Here's some questions to ponder this week. Will you stand up for Christ by sharing who he is in all of his glory in a world of darkness? That's a task that we can be, do. We can be like that UPS driver. We can be like John the Baptist. We can go and just reveal who he is by how we live our lives and then use our words as well. Second of all, will we receive what the world rejects as salvation and life and walk in confidence that we are the sons and the daughters of God? That gives me great confidence that I'm the son of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he's accepted me and he loves me and I have a relationship with him. Thirdly, will you be one who will let the light of Christ shine brightly out of your heart to those in need of him as you celebrate Christmas. This week, we're going to have some opportunities. We're going to have some people in our house, or you'll be in a house with people that may not know Jesus. And here's some opportunities just by how you carry yourself, by your attitude, by your encouragement, and all lots of things that the Holy Spirit can use to let you be the light of Christ in a person's life who may be experiencing spiritual blindness and darkness themselves. Let's bow for prayer. As we think about Jesus being the light of the world, and truly the world is growing darker and darker day by day around us, there's no question about it. And except for revival, 
in this land, which I pray desperately for. It may be the time that Jesus comes back for the second time soon and begins the process in the book of Revelation as we, as we know. But the question is, will you and I be the one? Be the one. Be a light to someone this week that we come in contact with. I encourage you to think about someone that you may encounter this week that God may put on your heart to seek out a spiritual conversation with this week. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this picture in John 1. I go back to over and over and I think about that verse in, I think it's Luke 2, 18, 19, where it says, and Mary pondered all these things in her heart to know because the angel revealed to her that she gave birth to the very Son of God and to carry that awesome responsibility, but that awesome joy at the same time. Lord, we just uh, pray that we would have that same awe and wonder about Christ that this Christmas season, that through our actions and through our words, we might reflect the glory of the one and only who came, who was full of grace and truth. We pray and ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.